It is the day of WrestleMania, the showcase of the Immortals, and for many, a time for change. Which is why the Wrestling With Fiction podcast will talk about Monster Hunter this week. Wait, what? Stop right there! No, no cheesy music for a second. We're not just gonna skip WrestleMania, are we? Like, this, this only happens, like, once a year. It's Wrestling Christmas. But what possible good reason is there for me to skip? Ah! Oh, sh! Is that a. It's. It's a Sonoga! Oh, God. I'M GONNA DIE! Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! And this week, we're asking the question if the Monster Hunter could work in the wrestling business! Please! Go! To! Sleep! Okay. In... In case I didn't say it before, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good, to the bad, to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and yes, we are, we're indeed talking about the thing that I may have just done. Because, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of Monster Hunter lately, and I I just want to talk about it. So, I guess for as long as I've been playing, which is quick little background back at like free ultimate which is kind of also try i've always kind of had this weird intrigue that the monster hunter could have so much more potential if you just thrusted him to the wrestling business just from like the overall size the custom player aspect there's a lot of very cool things that you could do and i when i wasn't thinking that he should be a wrestler i thought he should be in smash then he wasn't in smash and then I was like, hey, screw it! I'm gonna do it anyways! So that's what we're doing this week. And for those of you, in case you were wondering, I put a poll out on Twitter asking if the Monster Hunter should be a main eventer, a mid card, or undercard, or jobber. Whoever voted jobber, I am at first very pleased with you i'm proud of you for voting but also hell no i wanted that to be number goddamn one it's meant to be a main event it's meant to be that mid card spot that is that is the perfect spot for this and i'm gonna prove to you why because as i always do for this podcast i like to give you a specific amount of like ideas that I like to give and summarize in a thing called the tagline. And for those of you that don't know what the tagline is, the tagline is basically a 30 word summary 
that I'm basically going to be using as the framework to pitch my ideas for the Monster Hunter going forward throughout all of my storyline pitches. Think of it like your 30 word or less synopsis that you would see on Netflix when you're just kind of scrolling through the channels. That's kind of what I'm going for. And with that, I think it's time that we actually get started with this. So without further ado, I need to ask myself, the editor of this podcast, to cue the music, future me! Right, so you know how I said there was potential for the Monster Hunter to do well in the wrestling business? I lied! I actually do legit think there's so much more than you would actually expect! Because of goddamn Rise. So, immediately, we can't really use great swords, insect glaives, bow guns, bows, all of the stuff that you expect with Monster Hunter apart from the armor. But there's one slight catch to that. The wire bugs in Monster Hunter Rise. And if you don't know what those are, they're basically, how do I describe it? They're like limit- the best way I can describe it without kind of going into weird things is like, it's kind of like the spider webs with, that Spider-Man uses, except you've only got a limited amount and you can find them in the field. And yeah, they help out a ton when it comes to this whole situation of like, oh, how can you include the monster hunter aspect? Because guess what? It's technically not cheating to use it for mobility or to strike someone in the face because you're not using it as a weapon to hit them. Best example, Hikaru Shida. She has that whole spot where she like puts up a table or a chair. Sorry, I put table, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Where she jumps up, knees someone in the face. That is pretty much what the wire bug is. In addition to that, guess what? For a wrestler like the Monster Hunter, you have a whole myriad of awesome looking wrestling gear that you can have for him. From various monster armors to even potentially wrestlers wrestling gear like think of it like a actual hunter collecting a prize from each wrestler how how cool is that like i i kind of make it akin to king cuerno from lucha underground if you get that reference so the basic tagline that i have for this week and i'm i'm very excited for this is in search of resources to aid his village a hunter of flora and fauna finds himself in the squared circle where he must be forced to hunt humans. Yes, it's very basic. It's kind of a whole different character dynamic for the monster hunter because he's always kind of been forced to just fight monsters to save the world and get resources from that. But now he's kind of being forced to do this out of his own comfort zone. Think of it like the alternate timeline to the Monster Hunter. And he's doing it because he has to sing for his village. He got a nice baby face backstory there. Or even potentially a pretty good badass heel, depending on how you want to look at it. There's, there's a whole world of possibilities for this. And I can't wait to share some of them with you. And if you guys believe that you could have gave this as a much better short 30 word summary for a tagline, please tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, or tell me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. I love your suggestions. Despite how I acted with the whole job of thing, I love the fact that someone even interacted with it. So please, go for it. So with that out of the way, I think it's time that we get to our first pitch. And 
My first idea. Well, we really need to go back to the old classic roots of a certain person in Lucha Underground. Santos Escobar. Okay, this is kind of my first, like, go-to pick. That it was the first one that came to my mind. The fact that you have a guy named Santos Escobar, the former King Cuerno, by the way, whose whole character was the hunter, who I think at one point tried to hunt Phoenix, if I'm misremembering things. So, what better way to bring all of that back, because, you know, NXT loves its little references, than to have a little storyline that I am dubbing The Hunter Becoming The Hunted. So, how does this all come about? Well, the Monster Hunter has debuted in NXT! Why is he debuted in NXT? Because do you really think a character named The Monster Hunter is going to be on the main roster? Like, straight away? Probably not! In fact, I'm, I'm afraid if he ever went to the main roster... <laughs> They'd quite literally make him hunt like pigs and chickens, probably. So how does this all come about? So he starts out in NXT. He's gonna he's gonna start like any local enhancement talent would. Think of it like a a la Leon Ruff when he had his match with Johnny Gargano. He's kind of he's kind of just there being expected to lose in this warm up match against Joaquin Wilde, who basically since. What else are you going to do with him if you're not going to put him in a tag team match? Have him have a nice little fun little singles match. Because I think Joaquin Wilde is extremely underrated. I loved him as DJZ. And he had a pretty fun character as Zima Ion before that. It'd be nice to see him to showcase his like singles ability. So he's in there with the Monster Hunter. Who's kind of in the, if you know the Monster Hunter like default attire. Where it's that very weird crop top short combo that you get. He's in that, because he's starting out his journey. He's like a Pokemon trainer. He's like, I want to be the very best like no one ever was. And so he has his skill wires, not skill wires. He has his wire bugs. I'm getting my head confused. And he starts to, you know, get the tide back on Joaquin Wild. Joaquin Wild's going for his aerial offense that the monster hunter avoids because of the wire bugs. And he hits this really cool, and I emphasize really cool, just kind of lariat to Joaquin Wild and gets the lucky win thanks to the wire bug. Of course, Santos Escobar and Raul Mendoza are probably pretty damn upset because they're thinking this man has cheated. What do you mean he won this match? And of course, commentators Wade Barrett, Beth Phoenix say it's not against the rules because he's not hitting them with the weapon. He's using it to aid him technicalities and so Legano del Fantasma leave the ring we get a very quick basically just a quick interview just say congratulations what is your name and all they he doesn't really say anything all that comes up is just the screen that says monster hunter right so uh what is your goals in NXT and he doesn't really say much because the monster hunter kind of like in the games doesn't really say much either. He kind of just responds to everyone else. So we, we get a very small exchange where he basically summarizes that he's he's here to provide for his village and he'll do whatever he can to get it done because he is a hunter. He is at the top of the food chain. The 
promo ends. He walks to the back. He's just had his first match and he's taken kind of a part of the, I'm going to say, Joaquin Wilde's suit. You know, kind of as memorabilia. Or, as some would say in Monster Hunter, parts to build armor. Because we're keeping that aspect, people. So, we continue on with it. He's there, backstage. He's being interviewed by someone else because, you know, NXT loves their interviews. And, out of nowhere, guess who jumps him? But Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, Raul Mendoza, and Allah, how the group initially started in the storyline, they kidnap him. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I really want, if you're gonna have a Monster Hunter character, really just embrace the cheesy, kind of super serious mood of it. That's kind of been in a lot of Monster Hunter games, where it's super serious but also kind of not it has freaking talking cats that cook food for you i think this ain't out of the realm of possibilities that he's kidnapped and sent to the santos escobar headquarters because he kind of does have a headquarters sort of where he's you know he has that weird kind of like secret base that he had when he was talking about his feud with isaiah swerve scott and they were having this whole exchange Keep that, except now, in the coming weeks, it's now a kind of backstage super like cinematic torture chamber where they're punishing this guy for being the S-word out of freaking Joaquin Wilde. So as this all progresses, Santos Escobar kind of cuts this promo in the middle of this beating the living S-word out of a hunter segment where he states that I've seen people like you before. Hunters. Conquerors. All these people who believed that to get what they wanted, all they had to do was disrespect the traditions of Lucha Libre. I'm not about that life. And you mess with my family, I'll mess with your village. And basically, he beats the living S-word out of him. He takes... He just... How do I put this? He essentially gets a chain and punches the hunter in the face, trying to just beat him up to, like, a near senseless point for disrespecting uh, Legano del Fantasma and the Lucha Libre tradition, because of course he would. He's... That's his whole gimmick, is despite, you know, taking off his mask and kind of disrespecting it himself, he believes that what he's doing is right for the sake of Lucha Libre, and anything that affects it, whether it be attacking Joaquin Wild, it should result in punishment for disrespecting a culture that has generations upon generations of talent. So that's kind of the angle that I'm kind of going for with Santos here. That happens, and... You know, we get a couple of weeks where we really build up Santos Escobar and just Legado del Fantasma as a unit. I feel that with, like, people like Karrion Cross and, you know, a little bit of stuff with Jordan Devlin, they've kind of undermined the capabilities of the group. Like, I feel like they should be considered more of a dominant force in NXT. So you really should, I think, emphasize them as a three-man unit, put them in six-man tags, uh, you know, even put them in bits where... They're, it's like a three-on-one advantage where they're attacking people from behind. Really emphasize that. And have them constantly go back to the 
monster hunter that they've put up in chains and just mock him for trying to think that he could save his village when he can't even save himself. And all of that because you disrespected Lucha Libre. And so the weeks go on. The Ganondela Fantasmas seem like they've, you know, just dominated NXT. They now have the Cruiserweight title because... At the time of this recording, Santos Escobar has beaten Jordan Devlin. Good on you, Santos! And so, it comes to one eventual week where the Gano del Fantasma, they're entering as a unit. You know, they've all got their masks on, kind of like in their video package. And, for some reason, Joaquin Wilde, or at least him in that attire, starts attacking Santos Escobar. And of course, Ra- Raul is confused. He's asking what the hell is going on. And then, who is it underneath that mask than the monster hunter himself? Because who said that after being beaten up multiple times and then just suddenly let go, that he wouldn't be able to craft a mask that looks exactly like Joaquin Wilde? He doesn't... They all wear suits, so it's not like they would notice his tattoos when they walked out. So he essentially tries to beat the living s out of Santos Escobar. And Raul just essentially just grabs Santos to get him out of the way. Because the Monster Hunter, he'd be pissed. <laughs> so that all happens. You get a slow build-up of Monster Hunter 2, which he eventually has a match against Santos Escobar in... I, I put it as a ladder match, ironically building off TakeOver, which was a complete accident, by the way. And it's essentially, it, it's kind of gimmicky, the idea, I think. It's basically the stakes of this match are that if the Monster Hunter wins, he gets some money and he gets parts, which is essentially just a mask from like Lucha Libre culture that Santos Escobar has. So we're going to say, for the sake of feud stuff, it's going to be the child mask that Santos Escobar had when he beat Jordan Devlin. There we go, tying it all in. And so they compete in a ladder match. You have the Monster Hunter coming out in this kind of makeshift early attire that he had at the beginning, but also mixed with some of the Lagano del Fantasma gear because he is a Monster Hunter. I like the idea of him just like each opponent he faces, he adapts to it and just takes in the attires of others to kind of make himself be stronger. So, yep, we're keeping that. Santos Escobar comes out, you know, of all the swagger in the world that he has. And we have this competitive match where, you know, guess what? The Monster Hunter learns a couple new moves from facing Joaquin Wilde. He's like an ever-evolving thing. He starts hitting some of the signature moves of Joaquin Wilde. Santos Escobar countering back because, of course, he'd know his ally's moveset incredibly well. And so we dig down deep. And... The Monster Hunter goes for the wirebugs to try and get him up the ladder so he can eventually get the thing. But guess what? Santos Escobar already knows this incredibly well and hits a steel chair on the arm of the Monster Hunter so he can't use the scout fly. So it is really just a one-on-one assault as they're climbing up the ladder. Both of them extremely groggy, hitting each other with lefts and rights. And it all kind of concludes with... Santos Escobar being headbutted right near the clutches of the mask that he's attempting to grab, falling down to the ground so that the monster hunter can grab the mask himself. 
providing potential money and wealth to his family and village through fighting, essentially, a Lucha Libre Mafia boss. And, yeah, I think it's kind of a cool idea of, like, the hunter being hunted, which is kind of a duality type of thing. Because you kind of have it for both, where you have the hunter chasing after Raul Mendoza and chasing after Joaquin Wilde to eventually get to Escobar. Then you also have it vice versa with Escobar at the beginning, essentially thinking he disrespected Lucha Libre. So now he's on the hunt for him, beats him up multiple weeks. I think that's a very cool, like, dynamic that you can play off of. And moving on from that, you may as well just move on to the very next storyline. And it's surprising to say that this next one is going to be a real monster hunt, if you know what I mean. I'm gonna throw people around I'd have lost the song It's Lance Archer <laughs> Yes, the actual character named the Murder Hawk Monster I know what what a concept! <laughs> the uh, the character with the name the Murder Hawk Monster being ventured with a character named the Monster Hunter. What 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 science is this? <laughs> so it's kind of self-explanatory here. So the Monster Hunter he's essentially an AEW. It's the same goal as the previous storyline, where well kind of. The Monster Hunter has been in AEW. He's came to AEW to search for a real challenge. Because, in case you didn't know, yeah, the Monster Hunter is pretty damn durable. If, if you think about what this thing faces, he faces life-threatening raptors, life-threatening creatures, he's fought dragons, he's fought elder dragons, if you know what an elder dragon is, and he's lived and survived through poison, sleep, and being lit on bloody fire. So of course he's gonna go after Lance Archer. Wh why wouldn't you? <laughs> so the goal of his storyline is to put it into anime terms. It's to get Senpai to notice him. <laughs> so how does this all come about? So it all begins how you would kind of expect it to begin. It begins in a backstage segment where the monster hunter realizes after getting a punch of wins on Elevation and on Dark against, you know, the likes of, we're gonna say Sean Dean, we're also gonna say, uh, uh, Louis Valley and, uh, um, uh, uh, Fuego. There we go. Fuego. I'm sorry, Fuego. I love you, but yeah, we have to pick someone. I'm sorry. Go, go back to Burger King. <laughs> so we move on and he's there. He's in the backstage segment, and he's just realizing. He talks to Dasha, saying that I'm. I've been really looking for a challenge. As much as I want to help my village, I know that the only way to help my village is if I face some of the strongest, biggest, toughest people in this locker room. And as that happens, he walks into a locker room, only to see a, a mess that only Lance Archer could do. You know, back when he was a heel and he'd throw people through the bloody ceiling. <laughs> I demand that we have Lance Archer throwing people through the ceiling. And I declare it 
And that's what we're keeping. So, that's the thing where, guess what? We're going to go back to Monster Hunter World for a bit, because they had a mechanic called the Scout Flies, in which you can essentially track a monster by sort of like seeing it have like mucus, or a dead body, or in this case, a completely unconscious dead body thrown by a guy with a big flamboyant red bloody mohawk. Yes! So we're gonna have that. Think of it like the extra 10 point tally for his village resources. So that happens. He still hasn't quite seen Lance Archer in his full capacity yet. And so we cut to, you know, a couple more weeks on Dynamite. We're on Elevation. It's Lance Archer just having like a squash match. And you have the Monster Hunter, essentially, not at ringside, but, you know, looking out from the rafters. Because that's what everyone else is doing. And it makes bloody good sense if you have him there. You know, seeing Lance Archer there. He's about to go into a squash match. And he's already tracking a guy from the crew. Just chucking him around. And then you just see the Monster Hunter like look completely intrigued. And he starts rushing down to the ring. Not, not to hit Lance Archer himself. But to just get the extra information. Get the extra scouting detail. Just so that he can encounter and fight such a beast. And so, this happens for several more weeks. You have the Monster Hunter looking with his binoculars, because you can still get binoculars at some point in some of the earlier games, and have him just, like, examining Lance Archer's movements, trying to uncover a weakness, a certain body part that he's bad at, like, you know, the classic, I'm going to attack a body part in the world of wrestling. And so, we see him have a match with, like, Ethan Page versus Lance Archer. There we go. And it's a competitive match, and you see Ethan Page specifically target the legs of Lance Archer. He targets the hair. All these little things that the Monster Hunter is taking notes of in his little journal. Because in Monster Hunter World, you also had the whole, like, flip book where they told you, like, chances of breaking off certain parts. So that's kind of what's happening there. And at this point, Lance Archer's starting to become more and more aware of this guy, who he is essentially never met, but is... It's kind of stalking him. And so he asks this person, Hey, are you going to stalk me? Or are you actually going to fight me? Come down here. Because whoever comes down here faces the same fate as Ethan Page in that very ring. Everybody dies. And so the monster hunter goes down there. He's, he's kind of scared because he hasn't got all his full resources, you know, gradually over time building up that armor set to take on Lance Archer. And what he does is probably the most pro wrestling thing you can do to tie into Monster Hunter. He throws a paintball in Lance Archer's face and Lance just starts sort of like flaming around thinking he's about to get jumped. So he's kind of got himself in a fighting position and the Monster Hunter essentially runs because now he can track him. <laughs> And yes, this is indeed how deep in depth we are going with the video games here. We're going back before paintballs. No, not before paintballs. Before paintballs became irrelevant. We're bringing them back because it's fun. And so, guess what happens next? We go back to that old compound that freaking Lance Archer had, which was basically just Backyard Fight Club. <laughs> We're going back to Backyard Fight Club where Lance Archer is beating people up and it's always kind of like a Monster Hunter sense that he has where it's like, oh, 
This guy is here again! What is his problem? Because once again, the Monster Hunter, he's scouting. He's trying to get all the weaknesses from him fighting opponent after opponent after opponent. And so Lance essentially just chucks a guy who he's in the ring with over the top rope to hit multiple people just to go after this Monster Hunter. And then it is set for an episode of Dynamite. It is the Monster Hunter versus Lance Archer. And the stakes could not be higher for the Monster Hunter. He has essentially gambled everything on him beating Lance Archer. Lance Archer, he just kind of wants to beat someone up. Because that's just the essence of Lance Archer. And it could be a potential elevation for him to move up the card. You know, boost his rankings a bit against a guy who's been having a lot of quiet wins. You know, against guys like Marco Stunt. Uh, Ethan Page in like a tag match where Ethan Page isn't really tagged in. Say he's like looking for a tag partner that isn't the North. And so we see the monster start to develop, you know, more of his attire like in the previous pitch. And it's, it's very speed focused. It's not like heavy armor that you see someone logging around. And it's set up to be just your good old standard hardcore match. Because you know, in these fantasy bookings, I love myself a good little hardcore match. And guess what? Because of it, we can bust out a goddamn greatsword. Yes, you didn't think I'd be able to tie in all the other stuff, including a greatsword or other weapons? Guess what? You're wrong. You're all wrong. We can still do it. So we have it. He makes his entrance really cool with a gigantic goddamn greatsword because he's going to slay the monster. And he holds it out, ready in position for when Lance Archer comes in. Lance Archer makes his entrance, of course, once again, grabbing a guy. And you know what he does? Before the match even begins, he chucks the guy at him and the bell rings. So the match continues. They fight him off. Uh, basically, the Monster Hunter tries to block with his greatsword, only for Lance Archer to just pull it out the way and break it. He can't hide from it now. He has to rely on his physical strength that he's been building up in all of these hunts with all of his armor that he's prepped. And then we have... You know, he still has the speed advantage, the use of the wire bugs to, you know, pull on his hair, uh, extra parts where he's just like targeting the leg to really just put the big guy down. Lance Archer, of course, just powering out of some of this stuff. He's using weapons to his advantage. He's grabbing people from out of the stands that you have nearby just to chuck at him. So it really is like a monster hunter battle with projectiles. <laughs> and with it, I... I refuse, as much as I want the Monster Hunter to win this, I think you have to let Lance win. I I think it, it just kind of fits the story of it, just kind of to get the Monster Hunter character over. I think he gets a lot in defeat, kind of showing how determined he is to get any advantage on his opponent as possible. And Lance, uh, you just show how much of a goddamn badass he is, because he is. I think... The one thing that I miss about Lance Archer as a babyface, with him being a face, is that he doesn't throw around people anymore, which I think was my favourite part of his gimmick, was that he'd always come out with a guy and just chuck him. <laughs> oh, that That's kind of what I'm going for here. So, 
yeah, Lance Archer would win. Very kind of like competitive match, you know, using all the weapons to their advantage. You know, uh, the way that I kind of see it is that the Monster Hunter uses the wire bug to try and, you know, get above Lance Archer to hit, I'm going to say, a double axe handle. But Lance Archer, being just the big, agile big man that he is, he catches him in midair, hits him with the blackout. One, two, three. I think that's like a very fun program. And you also kind of show that when you play Monster Hunter, you don't always win. You always have to come back for another hunt. You kind of emphasize some of the mechanics in Wild, which I think is very fun. It's it's like old versus new. And yeah, it, I think it's just a fun, different feud. That honestly, what is wrong with fun, different feuds? Am I right? So we're going to move on to the final pitch for this week. And to tell you the truth, it's just as goofy as this one. Except this time, he's not trying to face one monster. He's facing two. Buyers! Stop the buyers! 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 Buyer country! <laughs> I couldn't think of a good transition for that, but yes! We're not having him feud with one person. We're feuding with two. He's feuding a tag team now. Now, this is easily going to be the most heelish version of the Monster Hunter. Because can you blame me, really? Y you got to have something that's a little bit heelish. He's a goddamn hunter. So, it kind of starts out in a similar premise to the Monster Hunter. Not, no, similar premise to Lance Archer. Jesus. Starts out similar. You know kind of scouting out his opponents. He's, he's watching from the stands. He's seeing Bear Bronson and Bear Boulder do their work because they can do some bloody good professional wrestling. It's fun. It's classy. It's bear. Bearific. That was a bad pun. I regret it immediately. <laughs> so yeah, that happens. Uh, forget the puns. Maybe he does say a pun, you know, to get heel heat. And he, in a very similar way to Lance Archer one, throws a paintball at Bear Bronson. And Bear Bronson, he doesn't really take it kindly. Bear Boulder, of course, tries to chase after him. He's like, what the hell are you doing? What, what is your problem? We're just trying to have a competitive match here. And as that all happens, he runs around. Bear Boulder tries to find him. And in the process... Uh, how do I put this? We, we essentially get Bear Bronson to fall into a pitfall trap in the locker room. <laughs> and in this moment, we see him get captured, hit with a bunch of tranquilizer bombs that Bear Boulder cannot stop. And the monster hunter essentially has captured Bear Boulder. <laughs> No, not Bear Boulder. He's captured Bear Bronson. <laughs> yes, we're also including capturing in the Monster Hunter franchise as a storyline. So we have a brief period of time where Bear Boulder is a singles wrestler. He's having matches against Marco Stunt, Fuego Del Sol, Lee Johnson. And so does the Monster Hunter, who's kind of having a anything you could do, I can do better. He's wearing the, like, Bear Country mask and jacket, which commentators kind of pick up as being something that's incredibly disrespectful. 
yet Excalibur's trying to give all the knowledge and culture about the whole thing. It's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is not because of that. This is just because of the tradition of the hunter. They, they seek out prey for the sake of their village and they take the ideas that they have into their own arsenal. They, this hunter is one of the most adaptable forces in all of AEW. So that happens. We, we start to see him, the hunter build more of an aggressive offense. You know, shoulder tackles, uh, charging through the corner, and ending with, you know, a good old dive onto him. Or well, we're just gonna say, like, a running shoulder block, because I, that's the closest thing I can think of, like, the Monster Hunter moveset, where they're, like, jumping and diving away from a monster. So that's kind of what I'm going for here. One, two, three, Monster Hunter wins. And of course, Bear Boulder. He, he can't take it. Why why would he? His friend's been kidnapped. You have this guy essentially wearing it and arguably mocking him. He chases after him. Uh, you know, how do I put it? Chasing after him, trying to throw objects, throw all these other things just to get him back because he wants his best friend back from this corrupt monster hunter trying to do whatever he can for his village. What a douche. <laughs> so that all happens the next week on Dynamite slash Elevation, whatever show you prefer. I'm going to let you have your choose your own adventure book here. He he essentially cuts a promo saying, I know that many of you don't know how long that me and Bear Bronson have known each other. We've been friends for a very, very long time. And it disgusts me that someone would willingly kidnap him away from his wife, his family, all for the sake of a village, the greater good? I don't care what the hell you want, Monster Hunter. Because all I want is my friend back. You call yourself a hunter? Well, you're about to be hunted. He just throws the mic down and he goes backstage looking for the hunter. But of course, the hunter always comes prepared. As this happens, there is a shock trap that's put under, diverting kind of like Bear Boulder away, you know, with a brief tease of Bear Bronson in the distance, but it's actually just the jacket. Ah! Shock trap hitting on Bear Boulder. <laughs> that happens. And through it, he gets away for another week. And of course, Bear Volder, he can't take it anymore. He wants his best friend back. And it has all been set up by, you know, the powers that be, Tony Khan, that on a kind of episode of AEW Dark, the Monster Hunter's going to have a competitive match with Bear Boulder. And so they do. They have that there. It's a back and forth affair. And who comes out? Well, not really comes out. Who is brought in as well than the Monster Hunter's prize? That is Bear Bronson. To just taunt Bear Boulder that he can save his friend. He can do anything. He did nothing. Whilst this silent hunter takes it and takes his all of his gear and his powers that come from his gear. You know what I mean. <laughs> and so that happens. There's a clash between them and... The match ends in a DQ when the Monster Hunter gets a weapon out to threaten to attack Bear Boulder and he hits him, he strikes him. And then in that rage, Bear Bronson escapes 
from the net, he tries to rescue and help out Bear Boulder. And in that, the monster hunter scurries. The bear country is back together. And so, it builds to a match where we're going to call it the monsters hunters match. Where the rules are simple. You do not win by pinfall or submission. You win by capturing your opponents or subduing them to a point where they cannot move. And it's Bear Country versus the Monster Hunter and a partner of his choosing. I think you know what the partner of his choosing is going to be if you're a fan of Monster Hunter. It's going to be his Palico. And yes, it's going to be his Palico. Which will basically be... I need to think of someone who would be a good fit for a Palico. Uh, <laughs> I have not fought the Palico part through. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to think of the woman's roster here. Layla Hirsch. There we go. Layla Hirsch. She's, you know, she's incredibly small, agile, you know, uh, wrestling background. I'm sure the Palicos know that to an extent. All kind of fits together. Layla Hirsch is heel for the sake of this match. And <laughs> in it. We we essentially see at the start Bear Boulder get captured, but he isn't able to be fully captured by the Monster Hunter because Bear Country rely on teamwork, they rely on friendship, so he pulls him out. And of course, the Monster Hunter thinking he's only going to need one trap to finish this all, only brought the maximum amount of traps that he'd need for both. So of course, he's trying to make his own traps in the middle of the match whilst Bear Country come back. They try and throw him through an ounce table. You have Layla Hirsch trying to help out. And you know what? Intergender wrestling can be fun. So guess what? Layla Hirsch suplexes Bear Bronson. <laughs> I don't care how stupid this is. I think that would be fun. <laughs> we have that. And with it, you have Bear Country hit Layla Hirsch through a table. She cannot move from the spot. She just got hit by two big men through an announce table. You have, essentially, the monster hunter running for his life trying to craft traps. He's trying to get them both in a pitfall trap or a shock trap or something just to stop them. Yet, the biggest mistake that the monster hunter makes is that he did not bring enough items to a fight. Very true to the games. Very true to life. If you played enough Monster Hunter back in the day, if you didn't bring your items, you were kind of screwed. In the case, the same as the Monster Hunter here. Bear Country. Just. Oh, they just demolish him from this point. <laughs> he hasn't fully prepped his armor. He hasn't trusted his skill sets. He hasn't put all the right stuff in. To eventually, Bear Country wins the Monster's Hunt match. And they celebrate being fully reunited, their demons quelled, and of course, the monster being hunted. Uh, yeah, that, that was chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. For me, that was definitely a very interesting one to try and book. Like, trying to stay true to the games, and also, like, putting, like, a fun little twist to it. So, yeah. That's kind of what I'm going for on the, I guess you could say the build to WrestleMania. Uh, 
anyways, I I don't really know what else to say other than it 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 still blows my mind that people listen to this. So I I just want to say thank you all from the bottom of my heart for letting me fulfill my can I say unintentional dream of mixing Monster Hunter with pro wrestling and it trying to make sense. <laughs> But hey, if you guys thought it made sense or you didn't, you, you can tell me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper or you can tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction because honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I come up with storylines and I, I hope they're fun. And th- that's kind of the intention. And I I hope that people enjoy it as well. I, I don't... I, I've never been good at endings. And this is why, this is why I have to do weird stuff for the beginning. So it's like, at least, at the very least, people know that I'm kind of odd. And that, that maybe that's the full thing that they see. Other than me being like, ah, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that is the end of this week's episode. If you guys enjoyed, you know... Tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, share it with them. Uh, if they love Monster Hunter, if they love wrestling, come here. Why not? I, I, I'm hoping to make more of these weirder episodes, you know, down the line. I always love making these. They're always like a weird challenge to try and see how they would mix with wrestling. And with that, I hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania, because... This is right in the middle of WrestleMania season. It, at the time of this recording, it's during night one. So I hope you guys are enjoying WrestleMania. If you did, if you didn't, I, I hope you did regardless. WrestleMania is always a fun spectacle. And with it, I, I realize I'm just kind of babbling on at this point. So anyways, I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember everyone, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.